Atención, estación en curva. Al salir, tengan cuidado para no introducir el pie entre coche y andén. Now, anyone who spent any uh, reasonable amount of time in Madrid or lived here will certainly know what on earth that is. That is the Madrid Metro Station announcement, whose equivalent would be on the London underground, Mind the Gap. Uh, in Spanish, it's much longer. And it basically means the station is on a bend. Take care not to stick your foot between the carriage and the platform. Why am I randomly telling you this information? Well, I guess it's obvious from the title of this podcast that you've already already seen. In this episode, I've got a fantastic guest who's written a book all about Madrid's public transportation network. And in fact, book probably doesn't do it justice, as the book is titled The Ultimate Guide to Madrid's Transportation Networks. And ultimate it is. The author of the book is Sarah Willits. Many long-time uh, listeners and Spain fans may be familiar with her blog, Sarah La Viajera. Sarah is originally from the Midwest of the United States and has been living in Madrid for around five years. After scouring the internet for information over the years, she says on her website, I've always noticed that when it came to finding out information about Madrid's metro, bus and train networks, written guides were very basic and were rarely updated to reflect changes and new improvements. In fact, there wasn't one place you could go and get complete information about all the major networks to help you navigate the capital city of Spain, Madrid. So what did Sarah do? She took it upon herself during two years to put together the ultimate guide to Madrid's transportation networks. Coming up in the episode, Sarah is going to be sharing all of her wisdom and insights all about the transport networks here in Madrid. So if you're planning a trip to Madrid in the future, stay tuned. It could be some very useful information. And even if you're not planning a trip to Madrid, we'll also be talking about some quirky facts and history and stories about Madrid's public transport system, particularly the metro. But we're also going to be talking buses, uh, bicycles, scooters, light rail networks, uh, so a bit of everything. Just before we dive into the interview with Sarah Willits, I'd just like to say a big thank you to two new When in Spain patrons who have very kindly signed up to support the podcast. So a big gracias to Cheryl Fabri or Fabri? I think Fabri. I'm not sure. But thank you to you, Cheryl, for signing up to become a patron. And a big gracias also to Moira Ball. Thank you so much to Cheryl and Moira for supporting the work I do and putting this podcast together and bringing it to you guys, Spain fans and listeners all around the world. If you too enjoy the podcast, you can sign up to support When in Spain at the crowdfunding website called Patreon. And the web address is patreon.com forward slash when in Spain, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash when in Spain. Enough shameless self-promotion. Let's get into the good stuff with Sarah Willits. We met up on Madrid's Plaza Olavide. And just to say that the first 15 minutes or so of the show, we're talking about some quirky facts and insights and a bit of history, facts and figures about uh, transport in the Spanish capital. From about minute 15 onwards, Sarah gives us a general overview of the different networks and how they work. And indeed, if you are coming to Madrid to make a visit and you'd like a few more nuts and bolts and details about buying tickets and the different passes and prices and uh, how to use the system. Maybe you need to make a trip from Barajas Airport to the centre of Madrid or to Atocha train station. This kind of very detailed information, you can find that in the second half of the podcast. OK, all aboard. Let's go. Vamos a por ello. Atención. Estación en curva. 
salir, tengan cuidado para no introducir el pie entre coche y andén. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me on the When in Spain podcast. I am really excited to be here with you. Sarah, congratulations on your new book, The Ultimate Guide to Madrid's Transportation Networks. Quite a meaty subject. Can you dazzle us with some facts about the Madrid transport system? I'm particularly interested in the metro. How many stops does the metro have? It has 302 stations. And how many kilometres do you know off the top of your head from your research does uh, the network run to in total? Because it's one of the largest metros in Europe. It's in the top five. It's about 294 kilometres, the length of all the tracks. And some lines cover a number of um, districts and neighborhoods. And do you know when the metro was inaugurated? Uh, the first line was uh, line one. That makes sense, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> they started off, a lot of times Spanish people or locals, they refer to the lines as colors. With English speakers, I say the line numbers. And then with Spanish speakers, I have to kind of go back and think, yeah, what color is this line? Yeah. I just say line and the number. I see, I'm more of a colour guy. Uh, I'm always like green line, dark blue line. They have colours and they have numbers, right? Yeah. Yes, and they have um, directions. The north, the farthest north is the top, uh, top title or the top place, and then the bottom of the, yeah, the second, second name will be where, where it goes south or east or west. Even. Uh, so line one is the oldest. That makes sense. Do we know when it opened? October seventeenth, nineteen nineteen. 1919. So it's got to be one of the oldest metros in the world as well, I guess. For, for a while in 2019, when they had a bunch of branding and signage uh, about the uh, centennial of the metro, it was 2019. Thankfully, a lot of us living here at the time were able to enjoy uh, different events and different like um, signage that they put up. They put up old photos. They listed all of the metros from starting date. I think London is the oldest. I think so, yeah. in the 1860s and they actually used a bunch of the um, fancy designs they copied some of the metro designs from Paris and then they used the, the signs with the salida for exit they didn't put exit they put way out like London I didn't know until I went to London and I came back to Madrid and I really saw the, the connections. But to kind of encourage metro use, it was really brand new in, in the beginning of the 20th century. They created these like elaborate entrances and fancy signs and they have evolved the, the metro design. The Cercanias has changed as well as the EMT. They've evolved it based on um, just appealing more to people at that time, what was in style typography and they wanted to make the metro stations look really grand so that you might feel I don't know a little bit superior or special for having used it so that actually um, encouraged people to use it more and it became a success so they started expanding line one I think was only sold to Cuatro Caminos and then they started going both north and south they extended a lot of lines that opened up more um, the ability for people to travel farther to live in one place and work in another. That was a new concept at the time. Talking of grand entrances to metro stations, let's just talk a minute about Gran Vía metro stop, which was predicted to be closed for renovations, I think only for, I think, nine months or something like that. It's been closed for, uh, I saw an article in El País newspaper a few weeks ago that said 1,000 days of the closure of 
Grandbier Station. It's been closed for about three years now. What reminded me about it is you saying the grand entrance because they've reinstalled uh, an old style kind of granite, very grand entrance. Uh, they've recreated it, I think, in this, the original style, which would have dated back, I guess, I don't know, to the 1920s. Tell us a bit about that. Grandbier has had a complicated history. Uh, of the five years I've been here, it's nearly been closed for three. And in fact, I was dating my husband the last time it was open, and now we're, we've almost been married for two years. <laughs> and so that, that just, uh, thinking about that the other day, just makes me laugh because um, they didn't know what they were getting into, I suppose. With uh, digging underground, you can sometimes find um, artifacts or things that got overlooked, and they did find uh, a few older parts of the station that were just covered up from cons uh, construction or remodeling. So they actually had to be very careful. Uh, the pandemic also caused uh, a lot of um, delay for them to get back working, get back down there working on it. But the, it was really the artifacts that they found and that they wanted to preserve um, that caused so much of the delay. And the, yeah. the running joke has been like, oh, we'll, we'll do this when Gran Via opens, which is never. <laughs> yeah, I've heard comparisons made to the, the completion of Sagrada Familia in, in Barcelona. Like, it will, it will never be completed. There is now light at the end of the tunnel, pun intended. Uh, yeah. yeah, they have released a, like a promotional video to kind of uh, show you what that grand entrance is going to look like. I saw a, a sneak peek just from walking by as a pedestrian. Mm few weeks ago and I posted on social media about it to kind of give a run up some hype about it it's it's very grand it's got the old style metro typography yeah. uh, it would make you feel like you're going somewhere special you're going on a special yeah. trip yeah it, it looks impressive I'm kind of glad that they decided to do that and it's kind of going back to some of the heritage of the metro um, and I hope they, well, I guess it costs money, but it'd be nice to see them do that maybe to more of the older stations, uh, <laughs> recapture the, the old style heritage of them. Speaking of which, are there any interesting historical facts about the Metro, any stories? Because there are these, what I've heard called ghost stations around the network. Yeah, one of the more well-known ghost stations is the station of Chambury. A lot of these stations are close together, that if you walked them, You'd be like, why would I take the metro for this? It was only like five minutes away, and I, I could get there quite easily. Yeah. Well, the Chambury station had issues like that. It was it's close to where we are near Metro Iglesia and Bilbao. It was a little too close to both of them that they didn't really realize it at the time when they constructed it. <laughs> Don't know why they had architects and people mapping everything out. So. I love that. We've built three stations really close to each other without really noticing, oh, well, what should we do? We'll just close one of them. <laughs> yeah, so uh, in the 60s, they closed Chambury, uh -huh. but not having enough um, protection around it or locking it, closing it all the way up, like closing the station door. Um, maybe at the time they didn't have a high crime rate or vandalism, but people started to vandalize it over the years. So they with the extra signage and the fact that it stopped at a specific point in time they wanted to preserve those billboards and things like in tile they've got old um, ticket stations when you handed your ticket to someone wow. instead of scanning a card or putting the ticket in and it printed out your yeah. your time stamp 
Um, so it really takes it takes you back going down there. It's got an old um, entrance. I'm not sure if the wrought iron style entrance is the original one, um, but they've definitely preserved the lobby. Um, as you go along line, line one, north or south, it kind of slows down just a little bit, and it echoes kind of strangely in there. Yeah. It kind of feels like you've you're part of uh, like the metro from the past as the train goes by, and you can kind of really get the full picture of what it was like. So it's kind of like a museum. It has been turned into a museum. Uh, it's part of the Andan Cerro. There's a little group of uh, museums that they've got through the metro. Um, you've also got the Nave de Motores. It's got um, old uh, equipment. It's got old uh, machinery that they used at that time. And it's in a separate building um, near Metro Pacifico. And this, inside Metro Pacifico, they have a um, remodeled and like carefully preserved um, lobby. It used to be one of the lobbies they used to let people in to go to one of the connecting lines, but they closed it off. Again, it had that same problem. It was just left alone for a few decades. And then 2008 or so was around the time they started remodeling these things and realizing they could let people come in and like see the history. They had a museum and they didn't know it. <laughs> Um, there was an architect and a designer named Antonio Palacios. Mm. He is actually, um, his design for this new Gran Via entrance is uh, modeled after what he had designed. He helped uh, create a lot of um, extra like special touch or like a more fancy touch to these metro stations and, and entrances. So he was behind a lot of that. So as a way to honor him, they are they're adding that to Gran Via in in a like a rep, kind of a replica of his original one. Do you have a favorite station in terms of the interior design? Most of the stations are kind of a generic kind of white wall with a colored line that runs across the top denoting the color of the line of the station. But some of the more older stations kind of have a theme related to maybe the location where the station is. Uh, I like how they have incorporated uh, incorporated like culture and I really like, for personal reasons, the Sevilla station, uh, but they have recently, in the last couple years, redid it, and they've added they've added this really cool uh, copy of one of the old maps of Madrid that's written in and script writing, and you can see a drawing of Plaza Mayor and all the central locations, and it's it's very modern. It has kind of a muted like split pea green soup uh, color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not the best color they could have chosen. Other stations are orange and yellow. You got some interesting, like really bright and shocking colors. Yeah. I like uh, the Tirso de Molina, the tiling in Tirso de Molina. It's on line one. As you walk in before you go down to the platform, it's this beautiful blue and gold tiles above one of the arches, I think. Yeah, and the blue and white style is actually the Antonio Palacios style. I think he helped make designed that station and they've kept they've kept that work like operating today he it looks similar to the vestibulo de pacifico if you can go there to, to visit yeah. he's got the arches um, like the rounded arches the tiling kind of sort of like the ornate um, decorations as well so he had a hand with a lot of these stations 
There are just there are a lot that I love. There are lots, aren't they? Um, the Goya station obviously has yeah Goya's paintings on the wall. For favorite colors, um, I really like discovering Nunez de Balboa, which was at the time quite north to go for someone who was visiting. Um, the line five part of it, ironically, which is which is bright green, has purple walls like a lilac color. Uh, purple walls, mm-hmm. whereas line nine, which is actually purple, has like marble, <laughs> yeah, marble-colored like stone walls, and it's not like a fully purple line, which is my favorite color. Ah, okay, and you're wearing purple today. <laughs> my local station is La Latina, and I noticed uh, in the last two years they made an effort to kind of publicize the Rastro Market more, the flea, the Sunday flea market. So it's kind of strange because there were there was absolutely no reference. That's the nearest station if you want to go and visit the Rastro flea market on a Sunday. There was no reference to it. No kind of uh, signs on any of the exits say this is the exit you need to go to the Rastro market. And now they have done that. And the other thing they've done inside uh, La Latina metro station is they put like a kind of history of the uh, Rastro flea market in photos, these big photographs along some of the tunnels an improvement I quite like that I, I do like actually line 9 and line 7 they have they have been known to be overlooked um, they don't line 7 doesn't really run through the center unless you count uh, well north of Chambury mm. the northern part of Chambury it touches there but it goes across above um, the typical like barrio de Salamanca line 4 is more better suited for going to Salamanca and doing shopping or going out for tapas or fancy dinners, if that's your fan, that's what you like. Yeah. <laughs> um, but actually, the floors of Line Nine and Line Seven have these, especially Line Nine, have these like chess piece designs. Uh, I'm not good at chess, but couldn't, couldn't name piece exact pieces. But it has this type of shape that chess pieces have. Yeah. And it's got these like white and black like patterns. And without having really realized that the floor looks like that, I never really would have known until I looked down and really realized and took note of different Line 9 stations having lived there. I came, it was brought to my attention. I noticed Line 7 was similar, similar type of trains. Line 7 has a tendency to like pause where the farther north or south you go, it just stops because I think they want more people to come on than they expect. So you have to, main thing is you have to add more time to your journey than you think. You can get caught up looking at all these beautiful things, but you do, if you're living here, you do have to remember you need, yeah. to, you need to get where you're going. Yeah, you could miss your train, but I suppose there'll be another one along in a few minutes. You're listening to the When in Spain podcast. I'm talking to Sarah Willits all about Madrid's transportation network. Stay tuned because just up ahead, we'll be talking all about the practicalities of using the system and especially buying different tickets and passes. You're listening to When in Spain. What was your inspiration behind creating this ultimate guide, I guess? But the inspiration was really from... Just looking on the internet, there's there's a big gap, like when it comes to like getting deep knowledge about uh, Madrid's transportation networks. There's a ton of information on the on the metro. It's like the prize-winning uh, network from from the city, and it's it's known worldwide for its like efficiency, um, good functionality. It's very easy to follow. 
Um, so it kind of uh, overshadows a lot of the others. A lot of people thought I was writing a guide about the Metro. <laughs> I have to admit, I thought that. I thought it was just a guide to the Metro, but you've included, well, what have you included? I've uh, included the EMT bus, EMT Madrid, um, Cercanillas, which is like the commuter or the light rail train. Mm -hmm. uh, I talk about BC Madrid, which I have used. I even delve into the, the electric scooters. Uh, they have become very common sight around Madrid. And I think in many cities around the world now, these little electronic scooters parked up on pavements everywhere. Yes, <laughs> they, they popped up all of a sudden. Let's just go back to Madrid's transport infrastructure and network in general. What's your opinion of it? Yes, the, the affordability of um, like all the types of transportation, it's it's really impressive that you can live um, in like zone A of Madrid and if you buy the, the monthly pass, which is the, the abono, um, you can you can go so far. The, tra the transportation zone A is is very large, and I find that I I can do a whole lot just within um, zone A. For me, I think uh, something that struck me when I first moved to Madrid was just how affordable the the metro is. Uh, whether you're here as a tourist or whether you're as a resident, and you can get the uh, monthly uh, photo card pass. I pay I think 54 euros a month for unlimited travel uh, inside uh, zone A on buses and uh, the metro. It's a fantastic value, really. And like you said, Zone A covers all of the centre of Madrid and beyond, really, some of the outer neighbourhoods as well. Yes, um, even recently I, I have uh, tested a few of the lines that I hadn't ever tried before. I wanted to make sure this, this guide was fully tested to make sure the readers knew that this person really did try all these lines. Can you say you've ridden all of Madrid's metro lines? I have. That's amazing. Um, I think I've only ridden probably seven or eight <laughs> in the years I've been here. I just wanted to talk a bit about uh, or make a comparison between the metro and this other transport network which is integrated with the metro which is called the Cercanías. What are the differences between those two networks and where can they take you? The metro is really good for short distances. There are some advantages with the Cercanías that you can cut out the number of stops with, within just Zone A, but it's also mainly used for the outskirts, taking day trips, for people living way outside of the city and they work inside. It's more like a, a light rail system than a, a metro system, right? Because most of it yeah. is overground. Parts of it are underground in the centre, right? But uh, once you get out of the centre, it actually emerges into the sunlight um, and, and, like you said, connects the kind of commute about towns around Madrid. Yeah, and it uh, uses, it shares platforms with Renfe, like in stations like Chamartín and Atocha. One thing I noticed um, and that I've taken advantage of over the last few years, I guess, is uh, using the Cercanías, which is this kind of longer distance light rail system, is that you can use it to get out to kind of touristic places as well. And if you were here visiting, you could use it to get a bit further afield if you didn't have access to a car, for example. Last summer, I went to Aranjuez on the Cercanías, which is quite an enjoyable little trip through sleepy suburbs of Madrid out it going heading south. I went there last summer as well after actually after not having been there since I studied abroad. Yeah the, the train ride is quite pleasant if you're going through 
uh, those kind of sleepy parts um, on a hot summer day, you're you're at an advantage because you're in the nice air AC on the train and you're just looking out at the kind of dry brown uh, <laughs> landscape. But I found on that trip down to Aranjuez that a couple of the stops, stations that look like uh, you've traveled back in time, these very uh, sleepy uh, looking places, which uh, kind of had a kind of charm to them. Any other locations which are worth visiting that you can get to using the Cercanias network uh, around Madrid? You could definitely go north. It's the opposite way from Aranjuez, actually on the same line. Um, the Cercanias line C3 has A and B. B is Aranjuez direction, and then A goes towards El Escorial, which is, which is a really nice mountain town. It's famous for its monastery. Uh, I haven't actually walked through the town itself because you can spend so many hours in the the nice, cool, or sometimes frigid monastery, depending on what what type of year you go. That's a good recommendation to get out to El Escorial on the Cercanías. The town is lovely. I think it's called San Lorenzo del Escorial. And I think you can get the Cercanías line right up into uh, the Sierra, right? I think you can go as far as, I don't know, Cercedia for sure, but even maybe further. You can go to Nave Cerrada as well. And there is a place called Cotos, which there is one Cercanías line that doesn't touch any of the central parts. The interesting thing about those lines is they all go through um, central Madrid, except for C9, mm. which only connects you from Terceria to a place called Cotos. Mm. And it's actually more of a tourist train. It's It's got a seasonal um, seasonal operating hours, and it costs a bit more compared to the other ticket prices, I've noticed. Um, I actually haven't used it, and I haven't been able to use it because it's been closed. The line hasn't been operating since uh, the pandemic started. So from the extremities all the way down south to Aranjuez and all the way up into the mountains, the Sierra de Madrid, and you mentioned uh, Neva Cerrada, which is a kind of ski ski station uh, in the winter months, obviously. So it's quite interesting that you can get up quite some scenic views to be had on that route up into the Sierra, right? So let's talk about buses. Uh, Madrid's famous for its blue buses everywhere, which I think recently had a bit of a redesign of their logo. What do you make of the bus system here in Madrid? And would you ever favor the bus over the metro, for example? Like a lot of things, it depends on where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> the bus is useful for a few different things. Um, there are some gaps along like the metro network. I've noticed, especially between line 10, which is the dark blue line, mm. and the line one, which is the light blue. Um, there are large gaps that if you weren't near one of the connecting points where you needed to get off and go shopping or go to an appointment, each way would be some sort of distance and the bus can help you go through some of these avenues or boulevards mm. where the metro just doesn't service, have service there. I mean, I hate traveling by metro, to be honest. I don't like being underground. Um, I've never enjoyed riding metro trains. But I do love taking the bus, and I do try and take the bus as much as possible because you just get to see things, and you kind of connect places up a bit more. I think, you know, when you're riding the metro, places seem much further apart than in reality they really are. And you think, oh, actually, the distance between one metro stop and another metro stop is only five minutes walking or ten minutes walking. It might be 30 seconds on the metro. Um, what I like with the buses is they're pretty comfortable. They 
In my experience, I guess it depends when you travel. They seem, on average, to be less busy than the metro. And yeah, you just have the pleasure of watching the world go by outside the window and it's a way of discovering new places as well, I find. Two of my favourite bus routes that I use quite regularly is the C1 and the C2, which are circular routes. A couple of times when I've been bored, I think last summer I did it, it's just to ride the complete loop. I think C1 goes kind of clockwise and C2 goes anti-clockwise, I can't remember which way round they are. That's quite a fun journey to do. It takes about an hour, maybe a little bit longer to do the full circuit. And you kind of get a, quite an interesting tour of Madrid doing that. On a hot summer day, what, what else are you going to do? You're going to need air conditioning and yeah. some entertainment. Yeah. And it is a great way to, to see more of the city and cool yourself down at the same time. And avoid walking in the heat. We mentioned uh, earlier Bici Madrid, a kind of municipal bike hire scheme where they have these stations of bikes all around the city. I signed up for that last summer and I really enjoyed it. I thought, it's, again, it kind of forced me to explore parts of the city that I might not have otherwise done walking. Uh, it's, uh, it's got two different options now. They have opened it up to pay by the minute. Um, the regular scheme was paying by the hour. Uh, if you have the, the monthly pass, the abono, you can actually use it in compatibility with the uh, the BC Madrid since it gives you a discount on the, the annual fee. About like a 15 euro discount, so it does make quite a difference. Well, you can then refill from the BC Madrid card that gets printed out for you. Normally you could uh, pay by these little totem poles, they call them totems, <laughs> uh, and you put in all your information, you sign up right at the totem. The downside for a tourist would be that they put a 100, 150 euro hold on your account where you you have to have enough uh, room in your account for it to have that hold. They'll put it back on once you're finished with your, if you bought a three day pass or a multiple day pass, or if, simply if you're doing it for a few hours, it would be good to get more of the like commuter price. It can be tricky for people who are just here for a weekend and they, they thought like, oh, we, we can use the, the city bike share, we can see the city a bit more. Um, Madrid does need a bit more, a few more bike lanes. Yes, I would definitely agree with that. It's a little bit scary sometimes cycling on the streets in Madrid. And you're right, there aren't really very many bike lanes. And if there are, they're kind of not very well thought out. One of my first times trying the BC Madrid a few years ago was I went down Calle Serrano, which is a one-way street that goes south. Uh, it's a famous shopping street as well. Um, it also connects with the Puerta de Alcalá, the big gate that's seen on a lot of postcards and sign of a, sim a symbol of Madrid. But to go through that roundabout and to make a turn, I I have been cycling for years, but I got so scared as a grown grown woman. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. I've done that exact uh, route around around that uh, roundabout with the Puerta de Alcalá in the middle. The problem is, and it's something I've noticed also driving in Spain, is people are not so good at lane discipline here. What I mean is they don't stay in the lane. Uh, they cut across pretty terrifying sometimes. <laughs> the other thing I noticed with Madrid Bici is that uh, they've got their motorized bikes which is quite handy for zipping up and down hills as well so you've got this little control on the handlebar with like three settings of low medium and high I think right yes. and as long as the bike has been charged up properly it takes the leg work out of, out of cycling around the city and they go pretty fast when you get to maximum speed. Yeah. You have this carefree feeling mm. that you're just kind of like flying down the street you can always apply the brakes which is a good thing 
with um, <laughs> with bi- with bikes and scooters, though, I would recommend testing the brakes first. Yeah. The other thing I found with BC Madrid, because I'm a big fan of it and I love cycling, is that you also have to be careful to check that there are spaces at the other end at your destination station, because it's happened to me a few times when I've got there and there's all of the spaces are taken at the at the little uh, dock. That's kind of screwed up my plans. I need to work out where the next nearest one is, and and, and I guess you have to check on the app, right? Because there's an app that you can use that tells you. Yeah. Yeah, the app is quite quite useful, and you can look up stations. Um, you could even reserve a station, a spot, a spot in a station. Tren con destino Príncipe Pío, Villalba. Próxima parada, Príncipe Pío. I wanted to talk about buying tickets. Now, if you're visiting Madrid, this is something that kind of freaks people out a bit. Like, how do I buy a ticket? Do I need to speak Spanish? Uh, how do the machines work? How do I pay? Anxieties that when we go to a foreign city and we need to use a transport network kind of freak us out a bit. Can you talk us through how to buy tickets or passes for the metro and the bus and like what your recommendations would be? The recommendations I have today are actually ones I could have used when I was coming here on my first international flight. I have this sort of uh, infamous story of how I didn't know how to buy a metro ticket about 11 years ago. <laughs> and I had people ask, uh, I asked for, for people's help, I put it into English, and I still just wasn't capturing something. And it was the little uh, light up like coin thing, it made a, it made a clicking sound. Mm. And then it lit up in green, but having never actually used a subway station or a subway network in the U.S., I just had zero knowledge. <laughs> Especially when it's busy and you've got a queue of people behind you, kind of like sighing and like, you know, who are in a hurry. And sometimes it's station staff are not present, depending on the station, or they're busy, or you, they might not speak English, or you might need to practice your Spanish. It's a, can be quite an intimidating experience, right? Yes, and some of the steps on the machine, they don't wait for you. They are kind of programmed for people who are making quick purchases. They already know the system. It's, it's fairly, fairly uh, stress-free once, once you learn how to do it. A lot of people pay by card now. They don't have a contactless at the metro stations, but at Cercanias, you can pay just by tapping your card. The bus, you can actually pay by tapping your debit or credit card onto yeah. the, the bus itself. Yeah, I noticed that. That's a thing that's fairly recent in the last year or two they introduced that, right? So you don't even need to buy a pass or a ticket or anything. You just tap your credit or debit card against the magnetic reader and it will charge you for the trip. Yeah, that's a, that's an advancement, a good step forward, I think. Yeah, it's a good time to be in Spain now as a tourist. There are a lot of improvements and advancements in technology that people who've been here for years have I've not benefited from buying a ticket. It's, it is fairly uh, straightforward. You just need to, if you're buying a single ticket, you need to know the station you're in and then see how many stations you're going to. If you can remember the station name, that's much better uh, than searching through lines that you may not be familiar with. Um, and it will calculate five, five stations would be 150. Uh, anything after six to ten, it caps you at ten. Um, it's about two euros, I think, for like a long distance kind of journey where you pass ten or more stations. But each one will be increments of ten uh, after the five station mark. For someone visiting Madrid, say for a weekend or a week, I don't know, a city break, I guess. What would you recommend they buy? 
I was thinking of this this, this morning, actually, just to kind of uh, explain the differences between using the metro a lot and then not really needing it due to your location. The 10 trip ticket is quite good because you're not paying 150 or more per ticket. It reduces it to 120. Uh, the whole package of tickets is 12.20, but um, since late 2017, they've stopped paper tickets. They've stopped the printing of paper tickets, and now you have this like contactless little red card called the the tarjeta multi, uh, like the multi card, um, where everyone needs to get it if you don't have a transportation card. So you're added on to your 2.20 is the 2.50 uh, euro cost of that card. And now they have uh, equipped all the stations with printing capabilities for it. So it comes out from any station. You can select it. You need to first select now if you have a card or not. And then if you do, put it in. But if not, you choose uh, buy the card and you buy it right instantly from the station. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's important. They got rid of paper tickets a couple of years ago and now you absolutely have to have this red plastic multi-card. You need that and once you've paid your €2.50 for that, then you basically top it up with whatever types of tickets you want. And uh, you're saying that you get a discount on the 10 ticket pass, I guess you'd call it. Probably a useful thing to have, I guess, for a, for a, a visit of a few days or a week in Madrid? Um, it, it can be useful. It's uh, the main thing to keep in, in mind is how much um, you want to see during how many days you're here. If you are going to be here for a week, um, you might be buying several 10 trip passes and that could over, that could um, it make you end up spending more than the seven day tourist pass. So what I, what I would recommend is think about the places you are going to go, how many metro tip, uh, trips are you going to accumulate or bus trips. Um, you can even extend it to uh, cover the whole comunidad. There's a, there's a type where it's zone A for the tourist pass, and then there's a T zone, which is totalidad, like entirety. Um, and that will actually open you up to the also green buses that work in function with the EMT. The Cercanias, where it takes you out farther, where you could go some, to some of those places we mentioned previously. And if, if you find that the price value, like the value you're going to get from the tourist past, um, would cover much more than what you want to see where, compared to the cost of buying multiple 10 trip allowances. How, how much is the seven day tourist uh, pass? It's about 35, maybe about 36. It's definitely not 40 or 50 like you might find in. In, uh, in other cities where I think the, dis the just the value you can get from spending a week and getting access to all the networks, um, being able to go farther and use different types of like mix and match between the networks you want to use, it's, it's a definitely a good value. The classic thing, and I've been asked this a lot by listeners, is what's the best way to get from Barajas Airport to the center? And also, what is a good way to connect from Barajas Airport to Atocha train station to take an onward train, probably going south to, say, Seville or the south coast? Okay, yeah, that's what I did all those years ago. I, I needed to arrive in Madrid and I had planned a train for several hours after, which I arrived a couple hours early in the, in the end of it. But I find that at the time I did not know about um, the Cercanias at all. The guidebook didn't include any type of maps, even for bus. I couldn't, 
I could have accessed it on the internet, I'm sure, but just to have something that was kind of an all, all-inclusive, one-stop read like that, I chose the guidebook, and it just highlighted the metros of like Madrid and Barcelona. Mm. It didn't give any extra information. I knew that the name of the train station was Atocha, um, and how I thought to get there, but it ended up being a really long trip. Um, if you go from line eight, you would need to connect in Nuevos Ministerios to line six, which goes a bit around, to Mendez Alvaro, and then you can connect to line one. But I find that's far too much of a hassle with if you had a suitcase, if you, you're coming here with suitcases. That's a really good point, especially if you're dragging heavy suitcases, because another thing, accessibility in the metro is not great, in my opinion, compared to the metro systems I've seen. There aren't escalators and lifts in all of the stations if you have limited mobility or if you're carrying heavy cases. And that's one curious thing I find is like you'll have escalators to an exit, but then the final part of the exit is like, you know, 30 really steep steps. They, they have done like a, a modernization program, which we are seeing like this summer, they're closing some lines to do uh, improvements. But since about 2016, they've been doing um, additions to stations that didn't have any accessibility. And they've gotten it up to 199 stations. Oh, well, there are 302 metro stations. So they've got a little ways to go. They've got a little way to go, but they're making progress. So that's good to know, because sometimes you see kind of elderly people and you think, that must be pretty difficult to navigate uh, in some cases. Anyway, going back to airports, getting to the center. So there is a Cercanías connection from Barajas, which will take you to the center or to Atocha if you need to make an onward journey. Yes, I do find if you are traveling internationally, say from the US or outside of Europe, um, it's best to go, if you're landing, you're landing in T4, it's best to go with the Cercanías because they do offer a bit more room. It has the trains are have higher capacities for people. A little trick I have for for readers is to go for the parts of the train that meet the platform, their level with the platform. It's usually for bikes and wheelchairs or anyone with a, a limited mobility. But you can go with with suitcases as long as you don't crowd that area. You move on after you you board, and the price difference is quite quite a lot from compared to the metro. But now with the cost of the the transport card, it's 450 just for the journey, plus the 250 uh, euros for for the card is now six euros. And uh, that's for the metro journey from Barajas, yeah, yeah, because they they charge a kind of extra tariff for that journey from the airport, right? It's not like the standard uh, ticket price for a normal stop. Uh, I've noticed, unless you have the uh, a monthly pass, like an abono, for example. Mm. Geographically, it's it's farther out compared to line, well, the rest of line eight, which which is the airport line. Um, it's also quite far outside zone A, but they include it. But as long as you are going to one of the airport stations, there's the, the three extra, three euro extra supplement. But if you do get off at the the Baraja stop, which is not the airport stop. There has been some confusion with that in the past. It is actually on the, the 150 ticket scheme. Yeah, don't get out at Barajas if you want to go to the airport, because Barajas is the small town next to the airport, and you'd have a pretty long walk on your hands to the airport from there. <laughs> but you can also take a bus as well. There are bus options to go from the airport terminals to the, uh, the centre. 
Yes, you can. You can take a it's bus 200. It meets down below um, one of the main stations, like through T1 to T3. Mm-hmm. It's one of those terminals there where you'd pick it up, and it takes like a few other bus lines that I like. It takes the highway, um, passes by like the area of Swanthes with with a lot of like multinational companies. So a lot of like business people get on there, but other people take it from the airport to go directly into um, the top of line five, which would be Metro Canillejas. And then from there, you can you can navigate the metro and get your, your tourist pass. If you did just want to spend a little extra to take a bus rather than the, the full metro and get your tourist pass. Um, but the supplement and going to the airport is included in the tourist pass. It's a matter of timing. Where do you, where do you need to go? Are you catching a train? Um, or do you just want to cut out some of the traffic and hassle? And there's also a bus that goes that connects the airport directly with the Tocha station as well, I believe. Yeah, there is a it's, uh, operated by EMT. It's uh, like a five euro um, ticket price to go from the airport like an, on, ex- on an express bus, which it, it's helpful. It drops you off at Cibeles, which then you would have to to find your location or if it's near. Uh, Atocha or Banco de, de España or the Museo del Prado, yeah. that type of like museum triangle area. Yeah. Um, it could be handy, but if you do need to go farther into the center, um, it's not. It's a bit expensive to spend five euros just for one trip. Yeah. Um, I would actually personally recommend the Cercanías. It's uh, in T4, so if you're already arriving in T4, you won't have to go through to other terminals, long walks, long tunnels, uh, or going outside to catch the terminal bus, which is free from the airport. Um, it's also it's more of an attractive has more of an attractive price. It's only two sixty for the Cercanías ticket one way, and if you are connecting with a, a to a Renfe train, the your ticket actually comes with a Cercanías um, pass to go on to it. So you would just scan your barcode, it would print out a ticket, which now you have to use the Renfe 2 card, which is a, their Renfe and Cercanias's uh, kind of card scheme that they've come up with. And just uh, one thing I wanted to point out, uh, when we, we've been talking a lot about the Cercanias. You can identify a Cercanias station or line or connection with a little logo, it's like a red circle with a little white C, letter C inside it. Okay, yeah. that's how you can identify it. So it's not the same as the standard Madrid metro stops where they've got the kind of uh, diamond, blue and red and white diamond. It's a little red circle with a C. I actually did this um, route again. I did some of these routes um, over again just to refresh my mind and so that I could kind of be where you are when I'm writing it. I did no- took notes and just kind of remembered and refreshed my mind about some of the, the steps and the process of it all. Sarah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing all of your insights and wisdom about Madrid's transport network. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for letting me dive deep and talking about this topic. My friends have heard enough about it, my husband as well. <laughs> so that was Sarah Willits. A big thank you to you, Sarah, for joining me on the podcast. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy of her fantastic book, The Ultimate Guide to Madrid's Transportation Networks, uh, do head over to her website, which is sarahlaviajera.com. S-A-R-A-H, Sarah, La 
L A Viajera V I A J E R A Sarah La Viajera is her website. You'll find a link on there at the top of the page with information about the book. It uh, gives you a little sneak peek inside as well. And it also includes a link to purchase a copy as well. Incidentally, do check out the rest of uh, Sarah's blog as well. She has lots of useful travel tips, not just about Madrid, but about all around Spain and her experiences of living and working and soaking up the Spanish culture during her years here. So go and check out her blog. It's packed with plenty of valuable information information. You can also find Sarah on Twitter. Her Twitter handle is Sarah Labiajera. And you can also follow her on Instagram. Her handle is Sarah underscore La underscore Viajera. Go and check her out. If you're new around here, just to say that When in Spain is more than just a podcast, um, we actually have a presence on Facebook. Just search When in Spain to join a group of like-minded Spain fans. And do give me a follow on Instagram to see photography that I take from around Spain and Madrid and indeed photos that I share which relate to the various podcast episodes specifically. The handle is When in Spain one There is also a When in Spain website. However, it is temporarily down at the moment because I'm in the process of changing uh, hosting services. But it should be up and running very soon. For future reference, the When in Spain website is WhenInSpainPodcast.com. So that'll do it for this episode from a very sweltering hot Madrid. Until the next episode, I shall bid you all, as always, hasta luego. Mm-hmm.